Over the last couple of weeks, we've been, well, over the last seven weeks now, we've been talking about the experience in God. Some of you are visiting maybe. We're going through a book, a workbook called Experience in God. It's a 12-week workbook. We're taking 13 weeks to go through it. Um, did an in- introduction and then 12 weeks we're going through it. And over 100 of you are going through the workbook, and I'm so glad. I've heard so many comments from people saying, oh, man, God's really teaching me. Uh, one person gave me a call yesterday when I was driving back from Kentucky, I think the day before, called and said, man, I've been going through this book with somebody else, and it's just transformed a person's life. And they go, and they kept saying, the book, the book. I wanted to say, it's not about that book. It's about the book <laughs> and the author of the book, but that book just helps you understand his book, right? That makes sense? And, uh, but it's been a great tool that we're using. And um, we've been parking. He's got these seven realities. We've been parking on the fourth reality. We're parking on it for three weeks. And today's the last week, the third week, we're parking on this, on this statement that he makes his fourth reality. And it's, been ta- it's, a, it's, it's a reality talking about, it's one of his foundational teachings about um, God speaking to his church. And kind of reminding us of the fact that God really does talk to his followers that he does, in fact, speak to us um, by the Holy Spirit, who is God, who indwells us as God's children, the Holy Spirit. You know, and I've been parked here for three weeks, and I had no intentions on parking here three weeks. I intended on, I had a, a, a whole plan how I was going to go through experiencing God. I threw the plan out the window the first week. I'm like, yeah, that's not what God wants, you know. And I've just felt compelled to stay in this one thing, because I think it's something that, that we think we get, but we don't really get. And so, park in three weeks on this idea of the Holy Spirit talking to us. Um, you see, church, when we come to Jesus to be our Lord and Savior, when we come to Christ, you don't just get religion. I used to believe you kind of, you know, you got this thing, people say, oh, you got religion. When I got saved, all my friends said, oh, that guy got religion. Well, I thought I was in a cult, actually, but uh, because I wouldn't carouse with them anymore and do it up, so I thought that was a bad thing. I could never figure that one out. Um, but um, you don't get religion. You don't just adopt a philosophy. What says when you come to Christ is you are spiritually born. You were dead, now you're alive. You're really born. Something happens beyond, it's not, a, it's not up here, it's in here. Something happens. It does change how you think, but it's actually spiritually you're born, and the way you're born is the Spirit of God, who is God himself. I don't, I don't know how he does this, but he comes and he lives within us. He takes up residence within us. And when he takes up residence within us, he wants to talk to us. He wants to direct our lives from that day forward. And, and so some people want to say, I want to have Jesus as my Savior, but not as my Lord. Well, that's impossible because if the Spirit of God lives within you, he wants to direct you. He wants to talk to you. Why? Because he wants you. He wants to guide your life. Well, that's called lordship. He wants to be the Lord of your life. And so we can resist that, and a lot of people do, and the way we resist it often, we don't even know it, we resist it through neglect, we resist it through misdirection, we resist it through looking the wrong way, and not focusing on the right things, but we, we don't go on that journey from believer to disciple, when that's just God's intention, the Spirit of God dwells within us, to help us to hear Him and follow His ways and go with Him. So, that's why we don't wonder if God speaks to us. You don't have to wonder does God want to speak to us? You don't have to say if. Well, if God would speak to us. No, 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 no. We can know that God does want to speak to us because he dwells within us. What we need to know is how does God speak to us so that we can listen for his voice and we can follow him into an... 
I say this very specifically, all I want to say is, follow him into the supernatural life that he intends for you and I as his followers. Let freak some of you out when I say that. You think, what's that mean? You know, I'm going to handle snakes, you know, whatever. I'm going to get bit and not hurt. That's not the supernatural life. The super, as a matter of fact, as Pentecostals and Charismatics, we often, often mess up what the supernatural life is. We think it's all about signs, wonders, and miracles, and it's going to be, we're going to, it's all going to be, we're going to be speaking in tongues and, and having prophetic words. Now, that's all part of supernaturalness of God. But the supernatural life that He has for us is simply that He wants us to, to live a supernatural life, meaning a life beyond what you and I can do on our own by our own abilities. That's supernatural. It's beyond my ability to, it's beyond your ability in the flesh to understand your neighbor needs $60 and then pull it out of your wallet and give it to him. It's really beyond your ability, not that you can't physically do it, but the compulsion to want to do it is because supernaturally the Spirit of God dwells within you that's above natural and he says, I want you to live like me, not like you. I want want you to live like heaven, not like earth. That's what it means to live supernaturally. Now, as we've been talking about the Spirit communicating to us, last week um, we started talking about why God speaks to us. We'd already the week before settled how. We said He speaks to us um, by the agency of the Holy Spirit through the, through the Word of God, through prayer and circumstances in the church. But we started talking about the why He speaks to us. And we found this, that He doesn't just talk to talk. He didn't just say, I want to hey, get a cup of coffee, Mark. Let's sit around and talk about the Packers. Let's talk about whatever. He doesn't just talk to talk. He doesn't talk about just, you know, whatever. That he has a reason for what he speaks. That, he, that his communication with us is about something. And when we understand that, well, then we look for that. When I hear about that, well, then I know. So if I hear, give $60 to a person, I'll know that's God because God cares about people and it's about reaching people. So I can conclude that must be the voice of God. It's about somebody. It's about something. He has a reason why he speaks. He speaks, we talked about last week, to reveal himself. We said that's not it. He reveals himself. Well, we'll review that in a second, but he reveals himself, but he also speaks. It's all tied together, but he reveals himself, his purposes, and his ways. That when he talks to us, he's trying to talk to us about who he is, what he wants to do, what he wants to do, and how he wants it done. It's entering into the ministry with with him, and it doesn't mean you have to have reverence in your name. It just means because you're born again, you entered into the ministry of God. It just means the life of God. He wants to involve you in what he's doing. And so he speaks to us to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. It's all about his activity. Friends, when we get the fact that he speaks to us in order to include us into the work and the ministry that he is doing right now where we are, that that's why he speaks to you. He wants you to be involved in what he's doing today. We saw the first reality was what? That God is what? Always at work around you. So he's always doing something, and what he speaks to us is to show us what he's doing so we can get involved in what he's doing, and then through that agency of that ministry, we get to experience him. Well, last week we focused on God revealing himself, just who he is, and found that he reveals himself in various and unique ways in order to do something, to increase our faith so that we will agree to join with him in what he does. He says, I am big enough to do that. I'll show you that I'm that big so that when I ask you to do this, you'll do that. And he gave, We looked at the example of Moses. That he revealed himself, and it was so appropriate, we sang the song, The Great I Am. And that's what I was talking about. He revealed himself as the great I am. And you say, what's that mean? He was say, saying, I am basically everything. I can do anything. I can do everything. And guess what, Mo? When I ask you to partner with me in resetting my people free from Egypt, I can really do that because I'm the great I am. 
He's saying, I'm all powerful. I'm all everything. God reveals himself. He says, I can do this. You know, I'm big enough. He reveals himself to us so it builds our faith so that we can then, when he shows us what he wants to do and how he wants to do it, we can say, I can trust him to do that. It's why he gives us all the stories of the Bible. All the stories in Scripture are trying to show us who he is, what he does, and how he does it, so that when he asks us to do something, we go, well, you did it for Moses, you can do it for me or with me. So for, de- for today, um, we want to move beyond just saying, oh, he, re- he talks to us about his ministry, to reveals himself, to build our faith, but then he says, this is who I am, but then he says what I want to do and how I want to do it. He reveals himself. Um, he reveals beyond himself, he reveals his purposes and his ways. And that's what he talks about. That's what we want, we want to talk about. Um, I want to move beyond this idea to see what else God reveals because I think sometimes we don't recognize that that's what he's talking about. And what we'll see is that um, what he talks about in revealing his purposes and ways is all centered on his activity. It's all tied together. He reveals himself, his purposes, and his ways, and they're all linked together so that we can come to know him more and see how and where we're to join in his activity. So in addition to God revealing himself, he also reveals the first thing is this, his purpose. And we're going to look at him purpose and then ways. In other words, you say he reveals purpose to me. In other words, he reveals to us, to his followers, what he plans to do or what he is currently doing where we are. See, church, here is something that is so important for you to understand if you want to enter into the activity of God. And if you don't enter into the activity of God, you can't experience him. So if you want to enter into the activity of God and you want to experience him in very real ways, you need to understand this. And this is going to blow some of you away and it's going to hurt some of your feelings and you're going to say, that's not what I read in all my business books, but it's this. What you plan to do with your life or what you plan to do for God is not really all that important. What you plan, you've been told since you were born, have a five-year plan, a ten-year plan, do all these things. I'm telling you this, based on the Word of God. What you plan to do with your life or what you plan to do for God. And a lot of times we, get, we sanctify that concept and we go, well, I'm going to plan to do something great for God. What you plan to do for God isn't really all that important. But what is important is what does God plan to do where you are and how does he want you to get involved. You see the difference? The one thing says... I want to do what I want to do, and I'm going to ask God to bless it. And the other thing says, God, what do you want? What are you up to right now? It's not about me. It's not about my great planning. What are you up to, and how do you want me to join with what you're doing? One of the verses that Blackaby uses all the time to talk about this is from the, the minor prophet Amos. In Amos chapter 3, verse 7, he says this, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. Surely the sovereign Lord does some things. Is that what it says? Some things. No. Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing his plan to his servants, the prophets. See, God reveals his plans. He reveals his activity to us so that we can engage with him. And I don't know that we always understand that or believe that. Throughout scripture, we see that God speaks to his people about what he is doing or what he is about to do so that his people can join with him into his activity. Ask yourself this question. What will produce the greatest, and and let me back up before I ask that question. Who wants to do something great for God? Who wants to be involved in the activity of God? Okay, most of us. Some are maybe honest, go, I can give a rip. You know, 
if you walk with Jesus, you'll want to. If he changes your life, you fall in love with Jesus, you can't help but want to be involved in what he's doing. I want to ask yourself this question for those who say, yeah, I really want to. What will produce the greatest results and bring the most glory to God? Number one, you dreaming up some wonderful plan for how you want to do great things for God and then working tirelessly to see that plan accomplished. That's how I was trained in Bible school and seminary. Honest, that's how I was trained in Bible school and seminary. Get a, get a dream, man. Work till you die. Sacrifice everything. Abandon it all for the sake of the call. Is that the way to produce the most for God? Or you hearing from God what he is doing or is planning to do and then simply joining with him in his activity? Which one will produce the most results and glory for God? Which one? Second one. For sure, the greatest accomplishments and the most glory for God come when we enter into God's divine activity. Friends, God can do more in one second than we can do in a lifetime of effort. So with that being true then, knowing God's plans and God's purposes isn't just important. It's all that really matters. That's all that really matters is what God, what are you doing? In fact, we may be able to accomplish a lot of really good and cool and wonderful things that people celebrate us for and pat us on the back about, do things for God by our efforts, and still in the midst of that completely miss what God is doing and honestly miss his will. We can do that. Because we're saying, God, bless what I want to do. That's why everything in this walk with Jesus is about a real love relationship with God. It's all about living a life where we, where we practice sitting at his feet and listening for his voice so that we get his direction. See, according to Scripture, if we have the relationship with Jesus, then we will hear his voice and he will reveal to us what he is planning to doing and how he wants us to enter in. And I'd say this about that whole idea of planning. It's not wrong to make plans and have dreams. I'm not trying to be a dream killer. Oh, you're just a... You're just a wet blanket dream killer. That's not at all what I'm saying. I say this, God just has better dreams for you than you have for you. God has better dreams for you, better plans for you than you could ever imagine. I just say this, when you make your dreams and you, when you dream your dreams and plan your plans, just be careful not to plan in such a way that God can't interrupt you, he can't direct you, and he can't redirect you. That's it. I always tell people when I'm, when I'm trying to train them on how to, how to prepare doing ministry, especially preaching, I always say this, I expect you to over-prepare. And I expect you to be willing to throw it out the window if God leads you a different direction. We're often easy to say, well, let God direct me if we haven't prepared. But if you've prepared, you've worked hard, and then God says go a different direction, that's not as easy because you go, oh, wait, 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 it's costing me something. I'm just telling you this. I think it's God's plan. Just be careful to plan in such a way that God can interrupt you and he can direct you or he can redirect you in your life. Set your heart on doing God's plan, not your own, with your life if you desire to experience God in your life and have a supernatural existence. He'll let you live a natural existence. Most of the church world does it. I'm not satisfied with that. Never been satisfied with that. I want more. I want to live the supernatural existence. People say sometimes, you know, how come you can tell these stories about all these cool things God's done? And not rocket science. You just say, God, okay, 
what do you want to do? I want to enter into what you're doing. Because then he's doing it all. You don't do it. That's why you don't take the credit all. You go, not about me. I'm just nobody from nowhere. I just want to do what God does. And then you get to feel, you get to experience the reality of God in your life. And you go, wow, this is awesome. It's supernatural. Let me give you a right now example of how this works. Kind of altering plans. And it's not a real huge example, but it's a right now example. But it's a really cool example that I believe you could, it can help you figure out some of the things God's doing right now and how you could enter in also. Last week on Wednesday, when I just came into the office, and um, was, there was people, there were cars there, and it was kind of weird. There's never cars here. I'm usually the first one in the office in the morning. I was a little late because I was supposed to go somewhere else, and that didn't work out, but I ended up showing up. And, um, and I came in, and when I walked into the building, just after I walked in, this other guy walked in the building. I had no idea. He was a total stranger to me. And I introduced myself to him and asked how I could help him. And it ends up that he is a pastor of a local church very near here. And I'm not going to say it because um, it was positive, but I wanna, wouldn't want to offend him in any way. Very near here. And I was surprised when I met him because I couldn't, I couldn't believe that I was meeting like this because if you know anything about me, one of my passions is connecting pastors together, connecting churches together, getting us to minister together. It's just something God has always stirred up in my heart. I believe it's God's plan. And I had never met this guy. And I've been here four and a half years. I had never met this pastor. He's the pastor of a church very nearby. And I, this is one of these, I ought to's and I need to's and I should and someday I'm going to and I just never did. And suddenly he's, he's standing in the doorway, you know, and we start talking. Now, honestly, here's the deal. I knew my schedule on, on Wednesday. And I didn't have time to breathe on Wednesday. I knew what had to be done. And I'm a schedule guy and I live by my schedule. And my schedule was planned out. There's no time for anything. And I really didn't have time to talk to the guy. And my morning had already been kind of messed up. So I'm running a little late. And so I started talking to him. I felt, you know, I, I talked to him. I'm always trying to be kind and, you know, approachable. And I'm talking to the guy. And I just felt in my spirit, in my heart, I can't say it was a booming voice from God. But I just felt, you know what? Scrap your schedule. And invite this guy to come into your office and, t and, and talk for a while. I could tell he just, I could just see, I guess maybe in the spirit, this guy needed to talk. He said, I'm a total stranger. Never met the guy before. And he came to my office and literally we spent almost, maybe even more, two hours in my office. And ended up being, the guy just pours out his heart to me. I mean, he's in tears. He's talking about his, his personal life. He's talking about his church life. He's talking about quitting. He's talking about what's God want for my life. And I'm just, I'm just like, you don't even know me, you know? And he's just blah, you know, vomiting his life. Not in a bad way, but, you know, he was hurting. And he's just pouring himself out to me. And I'm sitting there listening, and I'm trying to, trying to help him. And, and uh, I ended up being able to minister to him and try to, try to help him see things a little differently and help give him some, some clarity. And, and I prayed with him, you know. I said, come on, let's pray together. I stood there, and I prayed with the guy. Um, began to build a bridge. Well, that was going on in the office. And back up two hours, right before that interaction happened, as I'm busy and I know I'm not following my schedule, and I'm contemplating inviting this guy to my office, at the same time, here comes Pastor Paul walking through the office with like seven or eight people that I'd never met before. And I saw them, and I got to walk up and talk to them. So, okay, they're here. And so I find out that they are seven or eight local people in ministry who focus their attention on children's ministry. 
um, in other churches. And Pastor Paul's been working to try to organize them, try to get them together, try to pray together, figure out what's God doing in the community with children. And they're, and they're just started the meeting, and they're meeting at Portview. And so I went and I met them all and found out where they're all from and, you know, being cordial. But I'm like, okay, this, so they're all meeting together. At the exact same time, literally the exact same moment, Darlene Gary, one of our secretaries at the church, was meeting with about a dozen office administrators from other churches that, that they've been working to try to get together and, and meet together. And it's kind of funny. She goes, she goes someday I'm going to get them to actually pray. Because the, the group of people in the, in the children's ministry are people from, from churches who really, they really believe the gospel. The group of people in the, in the other group, some of them do, and some of them are kind of like how I was raised, just kind of denominational churches. And, and you know, it's, I'm not trying to be harsh, I'm not trying to, so it's not my place to judge them, but they don't at least look at the Christian life the way we do. And so she's saying, See, someday I'm actually going to get them to pray. You know? But she's meeting with them at the exact same time that day, and right there in that moment, the Lord spoke to me. This is just before we're going to walk into my office, which ends is going to be two hours. And the Lord just said, can't you see what I'm doing right in front of you? It was kind of like, how dumb are you? I said, I kind of felt like that. I'm like, and I mean, God's always loving and kind, but it's kind of like, it, was, it wasn't like this warm, lovey, oh, can you see? It was like, hello? Can't you see what I'm doing right in front of you? You've been working on this forever. You want to see the church unified. You say that. I'm unifying my church right before your eyes. I'm fulfilling John 17, which is where he says his church will be one as he and the Father are one. I'm doing it right in front of your eyes. Can't you see it? And I had this, I had this, you know, this burning bush experience. You know, one else knew it, but I did right then. And I, I had this really great realization of what God is doing right now. And what his activity is here and now. Well, you know what? I've got to jump on board with that. We've got to jump on board with that. He's saying, I'm showing you what I'm doing. You can work on your own things, or you can join me in what I'm doing, because I've got a bigger plan than you have, dummy. You know, and just join me in my plan. Now, here's the deal. Because all you face this all the time. I could have brushed that pastor off. I could have been incredibly kind to him. God bless you, friend. It's so nice meeting you, friend. I've intended on seeing you for years. Never got over there right now, but you know what? I got an appointment I really got to get to right now. And so, God bless you. Have a great day. You know, I'll pray for you. You know, which means you'll never pray for him, right? <laughs> I could have brushed the pastor off because my schedule is too full, and it was. Or I could allow God to redirect my plans. One was my plan and my activity. And one was God's plan and his activity. So I spent two hours with this pastor. I gave him an a, a Experience in God workbook. <laughs> um, and uh, I said it would be a good tool for him to help him walk through some decision-making time. Share how that's how my wife and I have made big decisions in our life. We buy another copy of Experience in God. We go back through Experience in God. We want to hear God's voice. So I gave him a workbook. Um, I offered our church's resources to him in their church. said, any way we can possibly help you, we are here. What I was doing is simply entering into the activity of God. God says, this is what I'm doing, get on board. Now here's the cool thing. To my knowledge, these two churches have existed near each other for over 30 years and not only have had no relationship, I'm going I'm to make my own word up here, okay? They had an anti-relationship. I thought, how else can I describe it without being mean? It was an anti-relationship. 
we don't see it, we don't theologically think the same, we don't theologically act the same, so we don't even have a relationship. Matter of fact, we really, if we're honest, don't even like each other. Even though we pre- probably, as churches, probably agree on 95% of everything we preach, this church, and the church, this church and the church I'm referring to. But in one moment, after 30 plus years, in one moment, God built a bridge that no one ever could have orchestrated. So I could have worked real hard. I could have been knock on doors, knock on doors, knock on doors. And I'm not opposed to doing that if God directs you to do it. Hey, pastor, let's meet. But this was different. God orchestrated exactly based on his need. Opened my eyes to what he was doing. So when I entered in, this guy, who would have theologically had issues with our position on things, said, they're not a bunch of snake handling crazy people. That guy actually really cares about me. And we were able to build a bridge. God orchestrated when a man couldn't. See, God's purpose right now at this time is to unify the Christian community. And that's where we get on board. That's where the blessings of God are found. That's where we finally will find how God is going to impact this really hard and really closed community. Because it's really hard and really closed. That's where God will be seen in the unification. And he'll be glorified. And he'll be experienced. We enter into his activity. So God reveals himself, and then he reveals his purposes. He plans what he plans to do or what he is currently doing so we can get on board and experience his activity. That's why we have, have to be listening and looking for the revelation of God as to what he's doing, what his activity is and our involvement. Our dreams and plans don't really matter. Matter of fact, as a church, the way we function, here's, what we, this, this is how we stand opposed to this sometimes. And I hadn't even thought about this this very moment, and I usually get in trouble when I, when I go off the cuff. <laughs> Suzanne gets the, but it just dawned on me. You know how we apply this to the local church? Well, we've always done that program. We've done that program for this long. We've done that program. Somebody's got us built on that program. We've got to keep doing that. We say, we gotta, when God's saying maybe, I want to do something different. But God, we got history. I know the material. I'm involved in that. We've always done children's ministry. We've always done youth ministry. We've always done men's ministry that way. We've always done women's ministry. We've always done it that way, God, because that's what we do. And God's going, yeah, I understand your plan, but I got a different plan. I got a better plan. If you just follow me, I'm going to do it better. But we go, but I got a plan. God's saying, listen, your plans are fine, but just be willing to hear my voice and be redirected if I want to redirect you a different direction. Does that make sense? So if you want to experience God, and I do, and you do, what do we do? We look for, we listen for, we wait for God to reveal his activity, and then we adjust our life, which might mean changing your schedule or changing what you're involved in, so that we can get on board with what he's doing. So he reveals himself to build our faith. He reveals what he's going to do so we know what to do. But then there's a third component. We'll, let's talk about that right now in the next few minutes. When he reveals what he wants to do, we don't just jump in with both feet and go, um, okay, I'm going to now think up a way to do it. What we do rather is we watch for God to reveal how he wants us to be involved. We watch for God to reveal um, his ways to us. How does he want us to do something? See, remember something, friends. God speaks to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways, right? God has a way he wants things done. We don't just make it up on our own. 
Remember he told Noah? We talked about this last week. Noah, I have a particular way I'm going to do it. The way I'm going to save the world is you're going to build a boat. It's his way. Then he looks at, at, uh, um, at Moses and says, the way I'm going to deliver Israel through you is I'm going to give you the staff. You can use the staff. You're going to pick it up over the water. You're going to throw it on the ground. It's going to turn into a snake. You know, he says, I've got a way we're going to do it. Once you know what God is going to do, you need to know how he wants you to get involved in that activity. You know, in this relationship to this idea about the, uni- the churches functioning in unity, for a long time, God's been leading our church staff to lead the way in uniting churches. You notice the part I said uh, uh, over and over is, and Pastor Paul had him here, and, and I'm there here, and it's been a lot of effort for a long time as we've been feeling God sensing for forever, for, for years, God wanted to unify his community. He wanted us to lead the way primarily in his way. His way was this through relationships and prayer. So I get together with a group of pastors every other Wednesday morning. We build relationships and I pray with them. Now there's another group of pastors in the area that have invited me in that have existed forever and they don't want to pray and they don't want to build relationships. They want to eat lunch. I'm not criticizing. We're saying they want to eat lunch and they want to talk about community whatevers and, and organ functions. Of, I mean, I'm talking uh, organs, not organs. You know, you know, <laughs> that makes sense. Dun, 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 and I'm like... Don't have time for this. You don't even want to build a relationship, really. You don't have any desire for that. You don't want to pray. And I'm saying, uh, say, you know what? I, I, let's, let's do something different. Let's get people who want to get together and really build relationships and pray. That's the way God's invited us to join with him in his activity. This is what I want us to remember about this. God uses kingdom methods to accomplish kingdom purposes. And we must do God's work God's way. And he wants to reveal how he wants us to do it to us if we'll watch and listen and be in relationship. Think about this from Scripture. One day Jesus told his 12 disciples that he had a purpose, he had a plan, something he wanted to accomplish. He says, here's my plan. These people have been listening to me for three days and I want you 12 guys to make lunch for these 5,000 men and all the women and children. I want you guys to do it. And they thought about it and they said, no. That's really what they said. Can't be done. We're in the wilderness. There's no food. Can't do it. Take way too much money. Can't be done. It's impossible. So they said, Jesus, send the people home. Now, maybe we would have been more spiritual than the 12. We wouldn't have just said no. I think this is what I would tend to do in my flesh if I'm not walking in the Spirit. I'd say, you know what? I can come up with a plan to accomplish this goal for God. God said do it. How can we do it? And I'd probably say, okay, Jesus... I've got an idea. You know, we'll take up a collection of the 5,000 people and then we'll give the money to Peter and John and they can, they can go commandeer a camel and they're going to ride into the next town and they're going to find all the bakers in town and they're going to say, listen, we'll pay you extra to give us bread because we know it's short notice and, and you know, so name your price. We'll get you extra. And by the way, how are we going to get bread back for 5,000 people with a camel? We'll probably have to get a cart. So you go to the cart shop you buy a cart, and we'll hook it onto the camel, and we'll need a couple donkeys. We'll get the donkeys. You know, donkeys are us. We'll rent them from there, and, and we'll, we'll get them, and we'll put the carts on the back, and we'll, we'll get all the food, and God, you know, we'll, we'll, get, the, we'll get it done, and we will then um, bring the food back in about, Lord, five, six hours, we'll have it ready for you. God said, this is what I want to do, and they said, okay, we'll do it. This is how we'll do it. 
Or they said, no, we won't even try. But we a lot of times say, okay, we'll do it. Go into all the world and reach the, preach the gospel. Okay, God, we, know, we can figure that out. We'll do it ourselves. But Jesus was trying to teach him something. He goes, listen, just have them sit down in groups of 50. It is a grassy area. That's what it says in the story. Have them sit down in groups of 50. And Jesus says, do you have any food? Oh, this one little boy's got a lunch. A couple loaves, a couple fish. Okay. Now listen, I'll just break it and you distribute it. And they're going, oh, Jesus, ain't going to work. He goes, listen, do it my way. And it says he keeps breaking the bread and keeps breaking the fish and they distribute it and they pick up 12 baskets full at the end. Well, friend, here's the key to the whole story. Here's the part that maybe you didn't, maybe you didn't figure out before when you read it, but the key to the story is not that he fed 5,000 people. That's what the crowd saw because the next story we find out, they want to make him king because he gave him bread. They thought it was bread. No, no, no. Jesus was teaching them something else. He's saying, listen, do things my way. His way, what did it do? What did his way do? Because Jesus could have said to the 12, hey, listen, um, here, I'll, I'll manufacture some gold. <laughs> Go to the city, buy some bread, get the donkey, go to Camels R Us or whatever, donkeys R Us, bring them here, get the food, you know, because we're going to feed them lunch today. He didn't do that. He says, listen, I'm going to show you how to do it my way, supernaturally, his way, because his way displayed his power, it displayed his love, and it displayed his nature. And what was the result? They experienced God. Not just hardworking disciples. Church, how we do what we do does matter. How God wants us to do things is he wants us to partner with him so that when what we're doing, he is revealed. That's the goal. Not to say what a wonderful church, but to say what a wonderful God. What a wonderful Jesus we serve. When we do things his way, what happens is he is seen. What happens is he increases and we decrease. What happens is he receives glory and we don't receive glory. And there's a reason for that. Because he's the only one that can change your life. He's the only one that can set people free. He's the only one that can bring wholeness. People need to see Jesus, not another plan. Because he's the one who changes the world. Can I get in a soapbox for a second? Can't hear any nose. So. <laughs> this is completely contrary to much of what I see in the church world today. Much of what I see is simply pragmatism. You know what pragmatism is? Kind of this idea, the end justifies the means. In other words, I know what, I'm, what I want to accomplish. It doesn't matter how I get there. If something accomplishes the desired outcome, then how it is accomplished does not really matter. That's, that's really pragmatism. So what I've seen in the last number of years, and I've seen it just kind of become a pandemic in the church world, this is a huge change in the last 20 years. I'm not that old, but I'm getting old enough to see trends. And I'm like, I'm not liking what I'm seeing. So what I've seen in the church world today is that the church world, and it's not with bad intentions, it's with bad theology. Church worlds adopt worldly business practices to attract people. So they say this, well, let's just give away enough iPads. Give away enough weekend retreats to Door County. You bring your friends and somebody's going to win. You go, that doesn't happen. It happens in churches all over the place all the time. Just kind of adopt worldly business practices. Same thing as saying, come to Walmart and we'll give you this. You know, or go to that store and we'll give you that. Double coupon Wednesday. That's what it is. So we use worldly business practices. And then I see they, the, we dumb down the simple gospel message. 
So it doesn't offend anybody. You know, Jesus offended people. Didn't try to, he just did because he told the truth. And then what I've seen is they, uh, the church world appeals to people's flesh instead of their spirit. So we do things like turn kids' ministry into spiritual Chuck E. Cheese. You know what I mean? You go to a church and it's Chuck E. Cheese. You know, I asked Jack Hayford, maybe I said this one time, I asked Jack Hayford about this whole, this whole deal when I was out in, at his church one time in, in a class, a master's class I was taking. And I said, you know, am I just being, am I just old-fashioned and a stick in the mud? And he, he, didn't, he never answered. That guy ticks you off. He never answers. He always asks you a question. <laughs> just tell me. You're smarter than me. You know, I just want to know the answer. And he just asked me a question. He said, what would happen in those churches if you turned the power off, the electric off for two weeks? I thought about it. I said, 99% of the people would leave. They'd go to a place down the road that had power. He didn't respond either. He was supposed to say, mm, good answer. He didn't. Like, <laughs> you know? But what's happened is I see people trying to accomplish God's plans in their ways. And I'll tell you this, it does draw a crowd, but it doesn't reveal Jesus. It usually elevates a leader so that he can go speak in other places. And everybody can tell him how wonderful he is. I fight that all the time. Seriously, and that you say, oh yeah, people ask, no, that's not what I mean. I mean to not allow, not be built on a pedestal. One of the worst things a church ever does is put people on pedestals. I appreciate that it's a pastor appreciation day. Quite honestly, I completely forgot there even such a thing. And um, it's Jesus appreciation day. I, I appreciate, we should honor leaders and that stuff. That's right and good. But you know what? This place is all about Jesus. So doing it our own way Human way does draw a crowd, but it doesn't reveal Jesus. It makes, people's attend- it makes people attenders at your organization and not disciples of Christ. And here's the sad part. Nobody falls in love with Jesus. Because when you fall in love with Jesus, you'll do anything. you do anything he asks. When he says hard things, you read his word and it's hard, and you go, oh, I really should do that. He says hard things like you, you tithe off your income. If you don't love Jesus, you won't do that. Or he says hard things about, about sexual relationships. And he says, you know, if you love Jesus, you say, I want to I live one way. Well, the world says this way. It's not that bad. We do the hard things when we fall in love with Jesus. See, God does care how we do what we do in his name because we have the name Jesus. We have a cross. Isn't that somebody said to me, Recently, when did the cross come up? We planted cross seeds and it grew. Um, so it took a while. So we said, oh, I really like that cross. We have a cross out in front. We're doing things in his name, right? And if we're going to do it in his name, we follow his patterns and his teachings and his leading to do things his way. And listen, friends, when we do things his way, people will come to know Jesus. People will recognize that what has happened in our midst can't be explained by human effort. It can only be explained because Jesus, that God is in this place. He fed 5,000 with a lunch. And only Jesus gets the credit. He will receive the glory and not us. That's what we want. We do things His way. People will meet Jesus and lives will be transformed and families will be transformed, and this community will be transformed by the power and the glory of God. And that's what we want. Friends, this must be our prayer. Help us 
Jesus to really see who you are, to see yourself, to hear what your purposes are right now and show us how to enter in to do it your way. If we do that, God will be glorified and everything will change. Our prayer, God, for your glory, Jesus, we give our lives to do to do it your way. Amen? Stand with you this morning. I want to just pray. I want to pray for us because God, I believe, is so happy. He loves us. That love never changed, but I think he's so happy with you. He's so happy with us, a group of people saying, God, we want to do it your way. Heavenly Father, we want to see you high and lifted up. We want to experience you in all of your wonder. God, we don't want to settle for religious history and activity. We want more. We want to enter into that supernaturalness of being part of what you're doing. And quite honestly, God, we, a lot of us are just really tired. It's exhausting to dream up a dream and try to fulfill it on your own strength. God, I know that we will be inspired and empowered when we simply join with what you're doing. So I ask today, God, reveal yourself. Reveal what you're doing in our community, in our lives, in our families, in our kids. And then show us how you want us to participate. God, give us clarity. Show us how. You've spoken through your word about most of all these things. And God, just make your word become alive to us so we understand how to do what you want done. So that we experience your glory. And Lord, we as a church look forward to what you have planned for us. We can't imagine even what you have. Your word says we can't even imagine what you have in store. But I know this, it's greater than any plan any one of us could dream up for ourselves or our families or this church or this community. It's greater than. Help us be part of what you're doing. God, some things may need to die. You may have risen something up in our heart to do years and years and years ago and we've been committed to it, but you're saying, i got to do something different now. doesn't mean the past was wrong. It means that today's a new day. And society's changed all around us and you want us to do something different. God, help us to hear your voice and to see what you want us to do for your glory. Breathe on us, God. Lord, I just pray this. We commit ourselves to you. We commit ourselves to your ministry. Simply meaning we want to be engaged in what you're doing all around us so we can experience you in fullness and in power and in transforming ways so that things of this world really do grow strangely dim and our joy is just being with you, partnering with you. And we find more fulfillment in you than any of the, of the second best things the world offers. 
that those things would, we would see them as second best. And would be best in our hearts. We'd really believe it. We'd feel it. What's best is just walking with you and joining you in whatever you're up to. So Lord, I pray for my brothers and my sisters today. I pray that God, you would help us to see clearly, hear loudly, and walk in obedience. And that way we could experience the joy of the Lord as you work through us for your glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. God bless you, friends. Can you just be seated?